everyone, my name is Sylwia Gorajek and this is another episode of Valley Talks. Today I'm very happy to welcome Adrian Ashley, a movie and TV producer, social media influencer and the founder of Crowded TV, a crowdfunding platform for reality TV, movies, TV shows. It's pretty much like Kickstarter, but just for TV productions that aim to be broadcasted on TV. Hello Adrian, it's such a pleasure to have you here on the show. Thank you for having me and I really appreciate you having me on the show, it's great. Before we go into the woods with uh, the Crowded TV, <laughs> yes. uh, let's talk about your career. Um, through most of your life, you've been a movie and TV producer, right? Not exactly. I started off as an actress, mm -hmm. and then uh, in 1998, I think, seven, eight, it's been a long time, I fell off a movie truck working on the movie I Know What You Did Last Summer. I was Sarah Michelle Gellar's stunt double and stand in and I broke my ankle. I was in a cast for 18 months and I couldn't walk unassisted for six years. Oh. So I had to figure out what to do with all of the industry experience that I had just learned and producing seemed to be the next step. So that was when I started producing. I produced my first film, Metal, and it went around the world for two years. We launched it on my birthday in 1999 uh, and it's just been a roller coaster of fabulous ever since. So you loved uh, producing movies and TV since then, right? I did, I do. Um, I used to love acting more, and now I realize that sitting in your trailer and it's a lot of hurry up and wait, and there's other people making decisions that affect your part in that whole production. Mm -hmm. I like being the person at the top of the pyramid. <laughs> I really like that control and the creativity and the decision making. So what were you producing later on after your movie? So I started off with that film, I did another film, a 35mm feature, and uh, I've made several films since then, and I transitioned into television uh, about five years ago, and working on the traditional way of getting a TV show produced, it's a lot of pitching, it's a lot of no's, it's a lot of door knocking, it's a lot of no's, it's way more no's than movies. Uh, in movies, you have uh, this established path where mm -hmm. you can independently produce, you can get investors, you can do the festival circuit, then you can get picked up, and there's independent distribution, and there's this whole infrastructure for independent movies. There isn't that for television. Television is like this very closed system where you have to know somebody to know somebody to have an in, to maybe get in, because even if it's your idea, they might say, but I want you to use this production company because we like them. And then you're not in charge anymore. And it's, it's just a very odd way of doing business as someone who comes from the film business. As an example, a friend of mine sold a show to a very large channel for $1.6 million for six episodes. But the channel made him go through a particular production company. Mm. That production company pocketed it over a million dollars, spent very little on the production. So the production value wasn't shown on the screen so they didn't get a second season. Mm. They killed it after six episodes. And that happens because you're not in control. With television, you have all of these different methods of funding, but it's usually how the networks do it. So they'll take your global rights, and then they'll go out and they'll sell the broadcast rights, and then they'll sell the, the OTT, the, the Hulu, the Netflix, the Amazon. Then they'll sell foreign territories, and they'll do product placement, and they'll sell commercial time, and they'll do sponsorship, and mm -hmm. they'll do all of these other pieces of it, which is really where all the money is. But they'll own your, your show, and if they decide they don't want to do it anymore, they can kill it. Now, just imagine, that's your heart, your soul. It's, it's what you have been working on and, and 
thinking about and birthing for ever and then all of a sudden it's gone and there's nothing you can do you can't get it back mm -hmm. the way that that we have architected our process is to reverse that we live in an age of social media right everybody is all about demographic data big data who's doing what broadcast is having a, a bit of trouble about this because it's a one-way relationship it's a push mm -hmm. right and everything's moving to social TV. Mm -hmm. They want two-way engaged conversation, which is very difficult to do with just broadcast. So what we do on Crowded TV is we help develop social TV engagement, social TV projects. Yes, they go on broadcast, but at the same time, we create communities around every show. And those communities, that demographic data for those communities, that is seriously valuable, right? If we tell a sponsor, look, we have a reach of 20 million, we have a direct reach and direct engagement with over 4,000 fans. And those fans are all, we have permission to post on their Twitter and on their Facebook. So this is the reach, mm -hmm. this is the impact, this is the engagement, this is how, how many times we're trending every week. They're salivating because they're like, oh my goodness, that's like a community. That's mm -hmm. organic reach, not paid ads. So it's a completely different conversation for them and they're mm -hmm. very excited about it. So they'll pay mm -hmm. and they'll pay decent money to come in ahead of time. You know, I call it Vegas money. Okay. <laughs> so they invest early and they're buying sponsorships. So it's not like they're owning any of the equity in the show. They're buying sponsorships, they're buying ad placements. And then once the show is fully funded, then you go to the networks and say, this is what we have. This is the reach mm -hmm. that we have. We want to air it on your station. Let's make a deal. It's a different it's a different way of doing business, right? It's mm -hmm. definitely independent film type, but since most of the money isn't in the broadcast, most of the money is in the mobile. Mobile video is on fire. You're talking about um, cost per thousand, like in advertising uh, lingo, mm -hmm. like 38 to $45 for a thousand views versus broadcast, that's like three bucks. Uh -huh. It's a completely different number. So really shifting everybody to social TV, to watching the content on their handheld, on their iPads, on their TiVos, on that kind of thing where we can programmatically feed them the commercials that are the right ones for mm -hmm. them, you make way more money. When did you launch the platform actually? So we launched December of 2014. I actually installed WordPress December 6th and on December 18th, we launched into beta, and by December 24th, we had fully we had funded our first pilot. And then in January, we launched Wake Up, and it was on the air in May. Were there your shows that you were launching it first? Uh, no, the first show that got funded was not my show. It was mm. somebody else's show. Uh, Wake Up was the first show because I wanted to show a case study of what you could do. And so I made up that show in January, and then we had it funded. We shot it in March, and it was on the air in May. Can everyone submit a um, TV show on your platform? Everybody can submit. However, they have to be good. Mm -hmm. So it cannot... I, I like to say that um, we're the antidote to Honey Boo Boo, right? So I feel that, especially with the way that they're doing reality TV shows, we originally started out as just reality television, but we changed our name and changed everything when we got our first sitcom. And it's awesome, Mission Dad Possible. Uh, but we started off in reality TV and talk shows. We have a talk show, uh, Wake Up, that's going into second season. We have a reality show called Plus Life, Unapologetically Fat and Fabulous. 
because sometimes there's not a skinny girl dying to get out. So that show specifically could not be done on traditional network television because the number one sponsor that wanted to come on was Weight Watchers. Number two, Nutrisystem. Number three, SlimFast. And this show actually is 30 minutes of no diet talk. So it's just awesome people who happen to be fat and the commercials have no diet. No diet ads whatsoever. And so that's a key piece for this particular show that they wouldn't have been able to do had it been on traditional television. So what are the guidelines so that someone can um, publish it on your platform, the show? So just like Indiegogo or Kickstarter, like you mentioned earlier, um, and we are different. That's just the very first piece. But just like Indiegogo or Kickstarter, you're going to need a video. You're going to need rewards. You're going to need a description of your project. And to get up on our platform, I need to know that you're actually going to get the show done. That's a big piece of it because we offer a lot of guidance and a lot of support. Mm -hmm. And we start bringing advertisers in ahead of time uh, before your campaign is even done if it shows promise to see what we could possibly do to help get you funded. And we don't want to take that risk on someone who's not going to actually get their show produced. So we want to know that you have a production company in place. We want to know that you have the skill set, um, or at least that you know how to hire a good production company to get it made. So how, do, how do you do that? How do you check it, check it with them? Uh, I pick up the phone and call them. Uh -huh. Okay. And, <laughs> and just because you have the expertise, you know what, to, what um, questions to ask and how I to... Can, I can usually bust a faker in like five minutes or less. Right. Right? I mean, they'll say, they'll say something. A couple, one time they even said something and I was like, oh, really? I worked with so-and-so and I'm texting the person they said that they worked with. And they're like, I don't know who that person is. I was like, I didn't think so. Like, you know, so it's, it's, not, a, it's not a bulletproof system. But while we're small and while we're still, you know, hand-holding all of our people, we really want to make sure that the shows that go up there are worthy of that attention. As I said, we are the, the antidote for Honey Boo Boo. So the shows that we don't want, uh, we don't want exploitation. We don't want things that um, embarrass people or humiliate people or anything like that, which you can see that on TV all day long, right? Like the, the sitcom that we have. It's a single dad. And guess what? He's not a doofus. He's actually a great dad. He's just a doofus dater. So his, he has no dating experience whatsoever. He's a great dad, though, which you don't see on TV very often. Um, so we look for quality projects that inspire and transform that actually make people's lives better after watching it. Mm -hmm. How many did you have to reject so far? Oh, at least 20. And how did you make it happen that the first shows were submitted on your platform? I, I'm an independent filmmaker, so I have a lot of uh, connections with film groups. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just started posting in Facebook and making phone calls, and we're about to hire our first community manager, so she'll actually travel around the country to all of the different film groups uh, instead of me, which is great. <laughs> I'd like to sleep in my own bed. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me from the beginning, you had the idea for this platform. I can imagine it came from your work, right? From the industry, you realized <laughs> it's frustrating and you want to do it. it. It came from bloodying my forehead on the wall of the studios. Uh, I had a show that I was producing called The Real Deal. It's social TV. It's very, very social. And it requires that the broadcasters actually change their mindset. Because in the regular traditional network world, the broadcast is the sun in the center of the universe, right? They gave 
digital ads, they, they give those as throwaways to the people who buy 30-second commercial ads. Mm -hmm. But what they don't understand is most people are time-shifting their watching, they're DVRing it, or they're watching it on Hulu without commercials. So they're having this problem where 30-second ad buys are not sustaining them. And they've already programmed all of their buyers that the digital stuff is a throwaway. So they can't turn that around and say, well, actually, we want to charge you for this now because mm -hmm. they already have these long-term contracts. So mm -hmm. they're in a rock and a hard place. So what we've done is we've shifted it and said, no, the social community is the sun. The broadcast is Saturn. It's still big, right? But we look at community Dude. because real deal, I yeah. built it just like that. Okay. They didn't understand. They kept going, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I'm like, it's a, it's a. 48-hour film festival plus. And they're like, I don't get it. And I just got tired of hearing I don't get it. Mm -hmm. and, and they don't get it because that's not the world they live in. And so they have all of these social programs and they're like, we need to be more social. And I'm thinking, you know, I was just at an event in Washington, D.C. with all of the network executives, 2,500 people. There were 12 of us tweeting. 12. I'm like, you keep preaching, you want social, you want social, but none of you are social. So how can you possibly be social? You need to just hand it over to somebody like me and I will show you how to be social. But it requires that you just let go and believe. And they can't, mm -hmm. they were not built that way. And the lawyers won't let them, you know. That's mm -hmm. the big thing is the lawyers don't wanna let people talk without it being vetted, mm -hmm. right? They don't want to have to take responsibility for what people say in yes. their arena. Yeah. And that's, that's where it all falls down. Yeah, and that's why it's not going to change any soon, right? Mm -mm. Well, I hope so. Not in the big Not their scale. way. Yeah. Once, once we have several successful shows, I think they'll turn around. When I went to New York, and I'm flying to New York tomorrow again, uh, but when I went to New York and I was with all of the advertising people, They, I saw light bulbs. They were like, oh my God, that solves the problem. I get it. And I was thinking, well, I go to LA, they don't get it because they're the creatives who are making the content. They're just making the shows. They don't understand the advertising mm -hmm. piece of it or the challenge for the advertising, mm -hmm. right? The advertisers want to get value for their money and they're not getting value from just a 30 second commercial because people fast forward over it. Mm -hmm. So they're at, a, they're at an impasse. They don't know what to do. And so we create product placement, integrated contests, lots of engagement through the entire community. And they're looking at that going, this is costing us one-tenth of what we're paying for broadcast. And you're including broadcast? So now we're giving broadcast you know, as a bonus, just like they used to give digital ads as a bonus. Still going to the beginning of Crowded TV when, yes. you, when you got this idea. And so... How did you actually build this? Because you've always been <laughs> in the production industry. Oh, wow. And, you know, you, you can have ideas, but to make them happen, that's, uh, that's another challenge. So I told you I paid for my own movie when mm -hmm. I first started. What I didn't tell you was that I used to break into banks for a living. So I was a high-tech priestess. I did penetration studies when online banking first started. My job was to see how much I could steal, and it was always all of it. And you were also doing financial assessments for divorce. Uh, divorce. Well, that was another thing. Uh -huh. When uh, I was pregnant and I was married, and we got a bill in the mail for $100,000 in back child support. That was interesting. And I'd always said, I will never make a documentary, ever. And then I understood 
why people make documentaries. When they, they see an injustice that just, they mm -hmm. cannot let it stand. They cannot let it go on. And that's basically what happened to me. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, I suck as a documentary filmmaker. I'm like really, really bad. I made a soul-sucking, solutionless, unwatchable uh, film, if I could call it that, that made you really want to just kill yourself when you were done watching it. So obviously that wasn't gonna get my point across and I wasn't gonna garner any support for that. So I turned all of the key factors that I had learned and I turned it into a book called Every Single Girl's Guide to Her Future Husband's Last Divorce. That hit. <laughs> So that one, you know, did I did a ton of media appearances, launched a speaking career, and did a whole bunch of other stuff. So I, I tangented out of filmmaking because of the book, because of this failed documentary, and I've gone all the way around, and you know, now we're 10 years later almost, and I'm back in entertainment where I belong. So the Crowded TV, is it, is it your main focus now? Are you, yes. So you want to grow this? I am bootstrapping a unicorn, but if you know any investors, we're, we're talking. Yeah, for sure. But <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, with the way that we have our, our financial model set up, you know, it's you're we, taking a portion of. We the, take a portion mm -hmm. of it. We're an agency, so you know, we take a, a smaller portion for distribution and a regular portion for sponsorship and advertising. And with enough shows in the pipeline, you know, we'll be fully self-sustaining mm -hmm. and uh, and more than profitable. We've been profitable the entire time. We actually launched in the black. Mm. Yeah. You've been, okay, so you've been profitable from the shows that you already funded. From day one, yeah. Huh. <laughs> that's a, that's as you're saying, a unicorn, a bootstrapping unicorn. We're bootstrapping a unicorn. <laughs> and what's interesting in your platform is that not only people can back the shows with money, mm -hmm. but they, they can also do it with their social media profiles. Yes, we call that social currency. Yes, social currency. That's actually the super valuable part mm -hmm. because when they back it with their social currency, not only are they giving us permission to draw down their demographic data, which we can, uh, they're also giving us permission to post on their social profiles for the premiere of that show. You know, so like on some of our mm -hmm. shows, we have a reach of, you know, 2 million, 3 million, 4 million. Well, that's how many people are going to see that launch when it premieres. And that's very, very valuable, especially for advertisers that come in on the premiere episode. Can they back the show just with the social media profiles? Absolutely. And when the show is funded 100 percent, mm -hmm. um, they obviously get all the data from you, right? From those social media they, backers. They get to know who the backers are, but yes. they don't have all the data. They don't get the demographic data because we don't share that. Uh -huh. That's our data. Oh. So we use that demographic data. That's, that's what makes our agency valuable, mm -hmm. is we use that demographic mm -hmm. data on their behalf. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. But so <laughs> if they are not funded with money, yes. you know, 100%, they don't get this value, right? It depends. So if a show is great, right, like Plus Life, our budget for Plus Life is $70,000. Now, we haven't hit the $70,000, we're only like $24,000, and we have a couple more investors coming in, and we have some sponsors coming in, but it already went into production. It's already happening, and it's going to happen anyway. Because you decided to... Because we decided. Yeah, <laughs> to, to transfer all the funds to this production and to also help producing it, yes? Yes, so we don't, um, you don't have to wait. It's not like Kickstarter, it's not an all uh -huh. or nothing. If I think that you're, if you're gonna do it anyway, if I have faith that this project is going to happen anyway, mm. 
sometimes we'll let the funds out early mm-hmm. and not do an, not do an all or nothing. Mm. And how are you actually marketing your platform? Word of mouth. <laughs> Word of mouth. Have you met me? <laughs> So I have, a, I have a pretty big reach on social media. Yes. Um, I, I want to talk about this too. I, I start conversations that get people riled up sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, my biggest one so far has been about smoking and the rights of smokers to smoke in cars with children, which I disagree with. I'm mm-hmm. an ex-smoker, so uh, I'm a little bit more of a smoking Nazi than most. And that one went to 110 million, 75 million in the U.S., a million comments, six death threats. It was fun. Oh. <laughs> Oh, they weren't here in the U.S., so I'm okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm not worried. Um, that's kinda, not, I'm kind of used to it. That's, yeah. That goes along with being a public figure. Yeah, but that's not why you, have to, you had to move to Reno. No, that no. was a bad date. Bad date. That, well, it was a bad date. And then uh, I, I do a lot of advising. So I'm a startup advisor, uh, especially when it comes to marketing and social media and monetization. Those are my specialties. So I, have, I'm a, I sit on a lot of boards. And one of the companies that I was... Uh, advising was about to be sold. They were about to get acquired and I was going to have to write California a check for $350,000. So I moved in six days. <laughs> and now I live in Reno. You now live in Reno. But are yes. you planning to move back to California at all? No. No, you're good. There. Have you seen the traffic? Uh, well, I've experienced it today. <laughs> today? Yeah. So it's it was not even a traffic, it was a complete standstill. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I go to LA, so I film in San Francisco, I film in San Jose, I film in LA, I film in New York, I film in, film in Nashville. So I, I shoot all over the, the country. Um, I live in Reno, where the locals complain when rush hour delays them three minutes. Mm. When construction delayed them seven minutes, right? On the radio, they're literally like, it's going to be a long one, delays of up to seven minutes. And I'm like... I love it. You people just don't know what Nirvana is, right? <laughs> like I live and I live in a beautiful gated community on the side of a mountain with panoramic views of the entire valley in a pretty new house that's three times the size of my house from in Marin. I'm 11 minutes from the airport and the planes don't fly over my head. Makes sense. And I saved 65% by moving there. Uh-huh. How it much was kind of a no-brainer? <laughs> Well, yes, I can agree. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Reno. I liked it. I enjoyed it. And we have Tahoe right there. I'm mm-hmm. 20 minutes from the slopes. Yeah. You know, we definitely have lifestyle. If you like art and culture, we have that too. We have some one of the top 10 restaurants in the country mm-hmm. there. Uh, definitely the foodies are moving in. Yeah. We need more single men. <laughs> Just going to put that bid out there right now. Like, you want to find great women? They're all in Reno and they're single because there aren't enough men. Mm. So all those tech guys, like relocate your companies up there. <laughs> and how much of the entertainment industry is there in Reno? Nothing. 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 Seems like there should be something. There should be something. So I'm actually, uh, did you ever watch Reno 911? I didn't. Okay, so it was, it was horrible in what it did for the branding of Reno. Mm. Hysterical in its execution. Um, it is basically a loosely scripted show, improvised. They go, you know, here's your in, here's your out, here's your motivation, go. And they just do it. Uh, and it, it was really, really awesome. So I've written a show. Tesla moved to Reno. I don't know if you, if you know. I did not. Tesla moved to Reno, building their gigafactory up there. And you have to understand, Tesla people, they're like our people, right? Mm-hmm. And they moved to Fern Tucky. Like, Fernley is like 
middle of nowhere Kentucky. Mm -hmm. It's hysterical to watch them engage with the locals. And so I wrote a show based on that. Ah, where is this show? Uh, I'm working on it now. Ah. So it was actually, and, and, to be, and to give full credit, Jason Elkin came up with the idea at dinner one night and I thought it was hysterical. And so I've been writing it and working on it and casting it ever since. Let's talk about your social media um, <laughs> hustling. My hustling. Yes. It is a hustle too. Well, you're right, but then you have a great advantage out yes. of that, right? And yes. you've been saying that you were um, marketing online since before the internet was born. That is true. Uh, what do you mean by that and how come before the internet was born? There were bulletin board services on dial-up modems before ah. the internet was born. I wrote HTML for a law library before the, the internet was born, so I was writing HTML before websites were around. I'm way older than I look. I programmed computers. I, I built an entire program for Disneyland my sophomore year in high school um, on a Commodore 64 on one of those big floppy disks. It was actually floppy. Mm -hmm. I remember those. Yeah. Unfortunately. And so uh, I wrote an, a program that uh, you could it had all the dining, all of the, the rides, back when the rides were ticketed, so like what ticket you needed for what ride, mm. the shopping. It was basically the entire program, you know, the paper program that they give you, and then I turned it into a computer program. And now you have over 100K <laughs> followers on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Who is your audience, actually? They're different everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that my people on Twitter are more uh, mind, body, spirit, motivation and some celebrity watchers, because I do a lot of red carpet stuff with Vanity Fair and Entertainment Tonight. And what stuff do you mean? What stuff? What stuff? What's that stuff? Oh, I do red carpet appearances. Uh, I do live interviews. I mm. do, like we just did the Vanity Fair Social Club. So engaging with the panels that they bring on and the Oscar nominees that they bring in and things like that. Mm -hmm. So behind the scenes stuff. I see. Yeah. So that's Twitter. That's Twitter. Uh, Facebook, I'm really a pendant. So, you know, I, I feel like it's my obligation to draw attention to things that perhaps are uncomfortable and to start conversations. So Twitter, I don't really have long conversations. It's mm -hmm. just little yeah. things. But Facebook, I start conversations. I want them talking about important matters. And, and I've taught my audience that it's okay to disagree with me as long as you're respectful and you're logical and factual and smart and, you know, hopefully funny. Snarky works too. Um, you absolutely can disagree with me, and you might even change my mind. So uh, I, I started having these conversations back when Kim Davis was not issuing gay marriage licenses. <laughs> and I was just like, because I'm, it's totally her right to not do that. However, she has a public office that requires her to do that. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there has to be a better solution, mm -hmm. right? But what I called her out on was the fact that five days into jail, she came up with a better solution that she said she'd had all along. Mm. I don't like liars. Mm -hmm. That I'm. Mm. <laughs> I don't care what side of the aisle you're mm -hmm. on. If you're gonna lie, I'm gonna call you out on it. And and so that's when I really started having these conversations. And then, like I said, the whole smoking conversation. And that's when I realized that my audience, what they really want is they want to participate in a conversation. Mm -hmm. They want to actually have one mm -hmm. um, because. People are sharing cat videos and funny things and memes and this, but it doesn't give them any opportunity to share a piece of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I try to always let them in on the conversation. I want to know what they think. 
and they tell me. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes in not so nice ways. Most of the time, pretty good. So that's how you build your audience with yeah. um, expressing your thoughts and letting thinking. them express their thoughts. Uh huh. Yeah, but I just... leave the door open. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and but this takes a lot of time. How? Not as much time as you think. Ah. It's not. I mean, I'm I'm on social media all the time. But think about it. You know, when you're sitting on the toilet, what are you doing? Are you reading magazine or are you scanning through Facebook? Mm-hmm. Right. Have your phone with you at all times, right? Yeah. Uh, when you so are... instead of scanning, you would just post something or um, comment on something. I might comment. I might post. You know, mm-hmm. it just depends. It all depends on what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, or I could, or I could be um, surfing for funny cat videos mm-hmm. that I want to post later. <laughs> I saw your picture on your social media profiles, and it's very funny, rotated. To the right, yes. And I must tell you that I I stared at it. Like I tried to see what's on it, and in order to do it, I had to like <laughs> turn your head. I was turning my head, and then I realized like this is one of the ways to draw attention, right? Yes, and absolutely. was it done on purpose? I did you? it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it on purpose because when I do tweet chats. I mean, they're going a million miles an hour, right? Mm-hmm. They're just going, 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 going. Mm-hmm. And in order for people to see you, you've got to stand out. Mm-hmm. And so I turned it sideways. It's also a duck face. It was part of my PSA campaign uh, for teenagers. And I, my whole thing was, you know, it was the, the duck face, just say no. So it's, right? Like, <laughs> I'm your mother's age and I just did it. So now it should be uncool. So you can stop now. No, they didn't stop. And then I turned it sideways, and um, the rest is history. And people have tried to copy me, and then they get called out for copying me, which I think is hysterical. Ah, uh, <laughs> but you're the one that, that started actually, it. Yeah, started yeah. it, and that's a pretty neat idea, I must say. Yeah, I, yeah. I would never think of this myself. It works great on Twitter. Uh huh. So coming back to Crowded TV, yeah. Um, how are you actually financing it? You said that it's profitable, mm-hmm. but are you planning to? Uh, look for investors, maybe, for the platform, or are you? Do you want to? We would stay love with... investors for the okay. platform. Um, we're fully capable of bootstrapping the platform. However, money is speed, and so if we had an investor, it would allow us to hire more than one community manager. It would allow us to hire two or three community managers, a sponsorship person, you know, to really put into place all of those pieces that take the most time mm-hmm. to offload those from my plate so that I can do what I do best, which is draw attention to the platform. Mm-hmm. So do you come to Silicon Valley for um, you know, meetings, investors, and these kind of things? Are you, did you already start, or are you just waiting for the good moment? So we have done pitch competitions, and we have spoken to investors. We are trying to bring more investor awareness up to Reno, and we call it Tahoe Silicon Mountain. And uh, there are a lot of great companies up there. There are a lot of investable companies up there that are doing some amazing things. And so we're, we're trying to use our allure to bring them up to where we are as well. You know, and there's other pieces of, of what we do. You know, we're trying to inspire post-production companies to come to Reno and to utilize, um, to utilize our rebates for the movie industry, for TV. Mm-hmm. And what's your big dream for Crowded TV? My big dream? Yeah. My big dream is that we get a hundred shows up on the platform 
40 shows on broadcast television by the end of the year and that we get acquired by a network as an alternative development platform because they see the way that they're doing it. They're spending $100 million to get maybe two, three, four shows. They could spend $10 million and have 20 great shows with full audiences mm -hmm. enough to make them super profitable. The way that we do it, it's, it comes from not excess. It comes from pre-proving everything ahead of time, building the audience ahead of time, and a lot of two-way engagement. It means that the lawyers are going to have to take a step back and take the stick out of their butt, but it will work. Yeah. So that's, so that's, that's the big dream is, is acquisition by a major company to be an alternative development platform. Mm -hmm. And that's your goal yes. towards which you are... And then I'll go back into producing full-time. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, I'm hosting two shows, and I mean, I really, I got back in front of the camera. I love mm -hmm. it. I'm still producing, um, and it's, my full-time commitment is to crowded TV, and so I want to build that, bootstrap that unicorn, uh, and then sell it, and then do whatever I want. <laughs> I keep fingers crossed for crowded TV, thank and you. good luck with that. Uh, thank you, Adrian. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank and you. to go to crowded TV, it's crowdedtv.net. Pretty easy. Pretty easy. That's where we can find you as well. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.